This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm Melissa Rao, your host, and this podcast is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotional sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in the episode's description. Hello, Bishop. Good morning. <laughs> this week's title for your devotion is Blessed. You base it off of Psalm 1, which begins with, Blessed is the one. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about what being blessed even means in the first place. And maybe and maybe share what it doesn't mean. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, well, you know, uh, first of all, Psalm 1, we're back into the Psalms, 150 poems, you know, rap songs, uh, you know, uh, allegedly written, some of them written by David, King David, uh, some of them commissioned by the temple, um, very emotionally honest stuff. Um, Psalm 1 is basically an introduction to the other 149 Psalms that are going to come after um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a synopsis. Uh, it's a, it's a table of contents. Um, and, and, and it's, it's, a, it's about, um, offering to the reader, the believer, the worshiper, um, reliable coordinates for life, right? These are the coordinates that make for a quote, blessed, uh, in another translation, happy life. Right. So so what I wanted to, to, to achieve by writing this was just to remind people but that that bless being blessed and blessing and blessed is not some magical state. Right. And uh, there, there's there's a very practical piece here. Uh, it is about walking a particular path. The law uh, in terms of the Old Testament is, is supposed to be a path, a way that that leads us from a to be from birth to death. Um, and it guides us clear of some things and it guides us towards something. So the point is uh, being blessed is not magical. Uh, so what is, what, what isn't being blessed, right? So what's not blessed, right? Um, so it's, there's, there's no, uh, this is not a guidebook about how to live a life where you always have a protective hedge around you. This is not an invitation to live a life where there's no pain, where there's no betrayal, where there's no financial hardship. Uh, you know, if you're if you're blessed, uh, it doesn't mean that you won't experience financial volatility in your stock portfolio, right? I mean, you still, <laughs> and you know, and and, and your children uh, still may uh, be disobedient, even if you're blessed, etc. But but it is it is basically trying to offer you a, a groove, if you will, a groove to get in, uh, uh, you know, in, in some ways like that third rail on a subway, uh, that, that groove where there's energy and that energy is supposed to propel you along. And so the psalmist talks about what, who not to be around and who to be around. So relationships factor greatly in, in us being blessed. Okay. So you talk about God's life-saving precepts. Yeah. And then you go on and say those that uh, may dance or like those precepts they, that they may dance in our imagination day and night. Yeah. But then you have a parenthetical and you said, you say without guilt, condemnation or shame. Yeah. 
And I'm wondering why you chose to include those words. Right. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm always, uh, I always feel like, you know, part of my add value to the conversation is to, well, let me say it this way. I have been shaped by people who dared, uh, who loved me enough to dare to ask me um, inconvenient questions. And that has made all the difference in my life. And so I feel like as, in, you know, occupying the role that I'm occupying and trying to befriend the Diocese of Atlanta, I know I'm the Bishop of the Diocese of Atlanta, but I want to befriend the Diocese of Atlanta, lay people and clergy. And so how you do that is in love, you do what scripture does, which is that you invite people to sincere and honest reflection. And so the psalmist says that part of being blessed is delighting in the law of the Lord, delighting in the words of Scripture, delighting. That's an mm -hmm. interesting word, delighting, right? Could have said mm -hmm. any kind of other words, obeying, you know, um, honoring, you know, standing in awe. But it said delighting, right? So what I want to do by asking that question is, is not to provoke guilt, shame, or obligation. We've got enough of that in the world. This is not about that. But I want to ask, out of love, this question. What do you delight in? And I want to begin to raise that up as a bar, uh, the way that Scripture does, that what would it take for you to delight in Jesus' words, in the words of Scripture, which are offered only to make life for us, to introduce us to God, to sketch out for us the face of God, to help us know the degree to which God wants to be our companion and is our companion. So, it's a risk. It's a risk I take in preaching. It's a risk I, I take in conversation because uh, it's a risk that other people have taken in my life in relationships with them by saying, hey, Rob, I, I love you, but here's an unflattering interpretation I want to hold up for you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I grew up around poor people. I, I grew up in the, in the public housing in, uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, and uh, candor was love. People, people who loved you would tell you the truth, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and, um, and, and not again, not to, not to lay you flat, not to scar you, not to shame you, but would find a way to tell you the truth, not in an oblique fashion, but as a, in a direct fashion, but, but in love because they wanted you to have the benefit of the truth as you went forward. And so for some, that kind of configuration is really scary and challenging. But for some of us, we want to be told the truth. And I think this is the voice of Scripture. The voice of Scripture wants us to have the truth. I mean, you know, this is how God operates. You know, God is truth, right? God is truth. Amen. All right, friends, we'll be right back with four people after a short break. Thank you for listening to Four People. Keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now, back to Four People. Welcome back. I love the Psalms, Bishop, truly. I feel like, though, sometimes when I'm reading them, I'm peering into someone's very private prayers mm -hmm. to God. Yeah. Um. And, and, and it's a very imperfect and human, sinful psalmist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the prayer often negotiates with God and makes it clear what they think about their enemies and those who don't practice the way of God. 
And so I'm wondering, do you ever find the Psalms problematic? And if so, how? Oh, yeah, the Psalms are problematic. I mean, there's various Psalms uh, which say, hey, basically, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but basically say, hey, God, I've got some enemies. I'm not sure we'd like for you to kill them. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in another place, you know, right, another yeah. Psalm says, you know, uh, I would love for you to kill the children of uh, of my enemy. So, I mean, you know, dash them against the rock, uh, you know. So, yeah, there's that. But, you know, uh, I mean, the way I read that is, is that, but but that is true. Mm. Right. And I mean, people feel that we may not want to admit that, but we feel that. And, um, you know, what I like about the the Psalms is, is that uh, the psalmist is giving everything to God, Uh, his his or her bias, uh, his or her rage, uh, his or her feelings of abandonment, rejection, um, uh, all of it, his or her feelings of, of being lost um, all of it. And so, so, and so even, even our venge, uh, you know, our, our vengeance, we give to God, now, you know, you know, there's, we don't, you can give it to God. I mean, even Jesus says, you know, make your prayer, right. You know, say, you know, you have not cause you ask not. So even the Bible says, you know, give me, you know, give me the full, give me, you know, give me all of it. But that doesn't say that, okay, God is going to run right out now and do those things. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, we call that when we're when we're together over a warm beverage, we call that venting. And to a degree, there's that's health making is to sort of cough up some stuff. And so that's how I read. I read those uh, those Psalms. But what I like about uh, the Psalms also, and especially in this Psalm, Psalm one, is you're given an image. And, uh, you know, those who. uh, who are not scornful, those who do not walk in the way of the sinners, those who meditate on Scripture day and night and delight in it, they will be like. And then you get this beautiful image, a tree planted by the rivers of water. And so in that image is everything we need to sustain ourselves in a relationship with God, especially over time, because a tree's bark is not spared from storm or weather. The image's beauty is, is that, but the tree's roots by the rivers of water go down deep into that stuff, which will nourish it no matter what the, you know, the season, you know, uh, sends at it. So, so I love that because we're given an image and that, you know, what they do shall prosper. Right. And so we're given the long view. And so I think that's some of the things we need in our devotional life is because we can be so much right now. You know, sometimes we want to make God into microwave popcorn. I've said that before, you know, press a couple numbers and out, tick, you know, out comes your prize. Well, life with God is not like that. Life with God is more like those sequoias, those tall growing sequoias that have to go down deep before they go up tall. Mm-hmm. Right. A tree is as big underneath the ground as it is above the ground. If you think about that image, it can help us. And so um, I like that the psalm offers us an image about a life with God. Uh, and it, and I think it begins to mature us in our notion of God. So it, it has more to do with nature. It has more to do with seasons. It has more to do with storms. It has more to do with sunny days than it does, you know, this instantaneous stuff that our our culture, you know, sort of offers us and we want from our culture. Yeah. Well, all right. So in the New Testament, we also know that Jesus's Sermon on the Mount contains a lot of the blessed are they who, right? Yeah. And people often use those to compare those who are in and those like those who are and those who aren't blessed. 
And so I'm wondering if you have any warnings for us about practicing the who's in the who's out game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> um, I, I think the, the, the pithy way I would say that is, is that, you know, I like Jesus the way Jesus said it, you know, let the wheat and the tear grow together. Right. And basically Jesus is saying in a, in a, in a wonderfully poetic, you know, image packed way, it's none of your business. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and I, I think that, I think that we show our own pettiness by being preoccupied with who's in and who's out. Um, and, and I think this is a terrible distraction for us as we try to live with God is to, is to start to try to put ourselves in God's seat. Right. It's not my job. Uh, to decide who's in or out. It's not my job to walk around puffed up thinking that I'm in. In fact, Jesus goes to great lengths to think to say that those who think they're in are going to get one hell of a surprise at the end, right? Um, and so I, I think that I think that we we need a we need a we need a, an adjustment there, a chiropractic adjustment here. We need to you know change our focal point on from who's in and who's out to how am I embodying the gospel? I think that's where all of the energy needs to be. And so today I've got enough to do, just me being Rob and trying to live out what it means to be Christian, that I've got enough to do, right? Yeah. I don't have to worry about how's Melissa going. You Amen. Know? You know, and so, it, but at the same time, I would say in a spirit of fellowship, that does not mean that Melissa and I can't talk about right? Those things that are hard as Christians, those things that seduce us away from walking in the statutes of scripture. I mean, there's ample opportunity for you and I to encourage, inspire, maybe even challenge and tell truth in love. But that's very different than me condemning you or from me saying to you, oh, why don't you live like I am living? You know, this, the, the folks who do that are the worst commercial for Christianity that ever was. I mean, folks think they're being a great, you know, commercial by you know, doing the in the out stuff. But Jesus himself came and lived around folks. I mean, I love Jesus' line, right? So John the Baptist didn't do anything, and y'all fussed at him. And I come, and I'm hanging out with sinners, and y'all fussing at me. I wish I could add a line to the Bible, which would say, I'm damned if I do, and I'm damned if I don't. <laughs> so, so I think that the focal point has got to really be about how am I making earth more like heaven? What does that require today? How are Jesus's gospel priorities my priorities? The incarcerated, the naked, the sick, the poor. How am I lifting them up? I think that takes all our energy, so much energy that I can't be really worried about you and if you're in or you're out. Yeah, I, I, I'm i thinking of uh, AA or, you know, any of the sure. 12-step programs and they have a phrase, you got to worry about your own and let G, and let you know and let God work both sides of the street because you know the truth of the matter. There's a wonderful line I, I think it was from Walter Brueggemann. God works both sides of the street. So why don't we just let God work both sides of the streets, right? And we'll do our part over here. Um, and in in so much as we've been given you know a vocation, a calling, an invitation to help God, partner with God, do God stuff, then Hallelujah, that's fantastic. But I think when you when, you know there's some you know survey work that's that's been done out there. But Christianity is, uh, is, is largely um, understood as a brand as uh, xenophobic, homophobic, uh, right, exclusive, right? These, this is the very antithesis of Jesus. And certainly 
It is the antithesis of the statutes. We're talking about Psalm 1 today, the antithesis of that, right? Yeah. Uh, it, we're actually being invited to be something quite different from the way in which we're being perceived by and large as a mainstream uh, Christian denomination. So earlier before the break, we were talking about the shame and all of that stuff. And I can't help but wonder if people would be able to read scripture through a different lens, if it weren't for the sabotaging voices, yeah. making people feel shamed by yeah. what the scripture says. Yeah. Well, remember that shame and guilt and obligation are tools that get used wittingly or unwittingly to control behavior. Right. And so the, the, the beauty of Jesus really, I mean, when you just, just think about the, 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 the athletic and artistic ability of Jesus, right. His intellect, his genius is actually not to use those, those old tools, to, but to use invitation to give you the right to respect you and me enough to give you the right to respond in earnest or to reject in earnest. Right. I mean, I think this is, this is, this is the great, this is an, mar, you know, a gift to marvel at, right. That, that Jesus, Lord of Lord, King of Kings who walked among us, didn't lean on, uh, you know, guilt, shame, and obligation. I mean, think about when the woman was being stoned for adultery, by the way, why only the woman, why not the guy? You can't commit <laughs> adultery by yourself. Right. Right. So we got to read with our, with our common sense, but Jesus could have really just went in on a soliloquy there and just sort of guilted the whole group. Right. But he just simply says, well, let those without sin throw the first stone. Right. He invites to reflect. I mean, and I, I think this is one of the things that the psalmists do. And this is what the question in my meditation, it's just an invitation. What do you delight in? Right. What do you delight in? Um, and, and, and let's talk about that for a season. And then let's let's get down to a place, whether we're out walking or riding a bike or walking the dog or, you know, driving to work, whatever we're doing. You know, uh, what is my relationship with Scripture? Is, is, is Do I connect Scripture with shame, guilt, and obligation? Or what would it take for me to connect Scripture, God's offering of God's Word through failed people so that you and I can find a way? What would it take for us to move to a place of delight? Well, thank you, Bishop. This conversation has been a delight. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, share this episode with a friend, and we'll look forward to being back with you next week. 